0: Good evening to you. In just a few moments' time, the 1978 World Cup will be underway in Argentina. The people of Argentina
1: now are beginning at long last to unravel the mystery of the disappeared. The remains of many of the disappeared are being found in unmarked graves throughout the country.
0: A three man military junta has taken over the government of Argentina. Este onceavo mundial de fútbol, 78. Muchas gracias. It's a murky tale allegedly involving international kidnap, torture and match-fixing. During the 1978 World Cup, Argentina was in the throes of its dirty war, when tens of thousands of left-wing activists were disappeared. With the eyes of the world on the World Cup hosts, scenes like this didn't look good. The Videla took with him an extraordinary guest, one of the world's most powerful statesmen, the former US Secretary of State, Henry Kissinger. The highlight of a week of convictions against violators of human rights, a life sentence for 85-year-old Jorge Rafael Videla. The former dictator oversaw the bloodiest years of Argentina's infamous dirty war against suspected left wing activists. A just war against subversion, he says, in which as many as 30,000 Argentines were detained, tortured, and disappeared.
1: Diego Maradona, arguably the best football player to lace a pair of boots, once said, I made mistakes, and I paid for them, but the ball is still pure. The idea of sports and politics don't mix isn't always enforced. It's hard to keep them apart. From ancient times till now, the idea of politics and sports have always been interlinked. From ancient Greeks who would take part in games in which city-states would send their best athletes to compete against one another, to the tradition of the Mayans holding the same practice, all the way to the World Cup. It's evident that sports was always riddled with agendas, deals and power plays. From a petty gesture, such as Uruguay's boycott of the 1934 World Cup in Italy, over how it felt that most European teams never showed up before when it hosted it four years prior, to the matter of principles as when the Soviet Union refused to play Chile during a 1973 qualification playoff at the same stadium where Pinochet had imprisoned left-wing dissidents to be executed. When the 2018 World Cup was announced that it will take part in Russia, Everyone felt uneasy by the fact that it was taking place in an oppressive country that had just annexed parts of Ukraine and Georgia, with people harking back to when the Olympics took place in Berlin in 1936. If the boycotts against Russia felt half-hearted, then the same cannot be said about 1978. The boycott came in early, and with conviction, it almost worked. On June 1st, 1978, at El Monumental Stadium in Buenos Aires, a couple of hundred children moved into their position. The children spelled out Argentina 78 before the words Mundial FIFA. A flock of what looked more like pigeons was released into the sky, and the World Cup was underway. General Jorge Rafael Vidala, the leader of the Argentinian ruling military junta, stood and announced that they would be playing under the sign of peace. In a hearing distance from the stadium's drums, a mile away from the campus of Navy Petty Officer School Mechanics, the military makeshift torture camp was operating where any and all distance were taken to. They were called the disappeared. A term used to describe the victims of state-sponsored terrorism. And while this was happening, the World Cup continued. The sounds of steel drums, the crowds roaring, heard by tortured prisoners down the street. On today's episode of A Conversation Before the World Ends, we'll be going to Argentina in the year of nineteen seventy-eight and we'll be remembering the dirtiest world cup of all time. I'm your host Kareem and welcome to today's show. Welcome to today's show. I'm your host, Karim. And I'm Eamon. <laughs> Why? Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk. Aim with the World Cup underway, what's one of your favorite or what's one of the most significant World Cup moments do you recall? Zidane headbutting materazzi. Yeah? Yes. That's
0: the most significant World Cup moment you recall? One of. One? Yeah, for my childhood, for sure. <laughs> South Korea beating it. But like, no, Ronaldo's haircut seriously <laughs> <laughs> dude, nah, nah, yeah, one that. of the greatest players of all time in Zidane's last game ever was headbutting but, a dude and getting a red card dude it's so, it's so that, I know it's shitty for him it's a Greek but yeah. that's such a brilliant like no player will have that ending ever and the image of him walking away with the with the World Cup behind him and he was having such a good World Cup
1: and it was his last World Cup and his last team. game ever yeah but not
0: last last game you know mm. and Italy and France such a classic rivalry you know
1: yeah yeah, yeah, like I remember a lot of people uh, used to bemoan us for che- for cheering for Italy against France. And I remember Loki like being happy that Zidane got red carded. So even though I don't know, it was on the dupes and then, like all the rumors that started after the World Cup who said what to who? Yeah, it was a big story.
0: Yeah. But like, yeah, this is what I remember as a kid. Like, the, my earliest memory was 98 France World when they won the World Cup. Mm hmm. That's my earliest memory. I remember those games. but And Brazil, I remember that, but I didn't remember the corruption stuff of like the referees messing up. In tw- I was, 2002?
1: I was, I was too young to understand that. Now, speaking of corruption, have you ever heard... Have you ever taken a bribe? Come to match fixing. Is there any particular match that you think of if that could be fixed in the history of football? I mean, FIFA is already corrupt as it's, as it is.
0: There's definitely that semi-finals, right? Italy, South Korea?
1: Was it quarter-finals? Quarter it? Quar-
0: it was semi or quarters?
1: No, just quarters. I don't think Italy yeah. came third. I think Turkey came third.
0: Yes. That, that seemed match-fixing later on, that look about it. Of course, there was the Poli, the Italian league. Yeah, yeah. That Inter Milan orchestrated. <laughs> to bring down Juventus.
1: Uh, yeah, we're going to have to talk about that at some point. But
0: I've never watched a game live and been like, this is match-fixing, and later on it was. Never.
1: Never? Well, speaking of... Unless
0: South Korea and Italy, but I don't, you know.
1: Yeah, you were too... But this was like five years later. I'm like,
0: ah, oh, yeah, it was.
1: So do you know anything about previous World Cup fixings in the well, the corruption of like bribery and stuff in the World Cup?
0: That's a trick question.
1: Well, I'm saying, I'm not talking about this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about Russia. I'm talking about like back, let's just say from 80s backwards.
0: Uh, On top of my head, no, I'm more familiar with like league corruption and Champions League stuff.
1: So the World Cup has had a bit of questionable hosts, let's just say. Of course, the first corrupted or the first corrupted, the first controversial host was Italy Mm in 1934. This was the height of Mussolini and the World Cup was being hosted in Italy under the banner of fascism, and you can see how this was a bit controversial, and Mussolini was the first one to properly use it as a way to promote b- Italy exactly or and to fix promote his image. to promote the the superiority of fascism, which was something Hitler would play on in two years after during yeah, the Olympics. Yeah. another controversial or infamous, if I should say, is Argentina in nineteen seventy eight okay, and this is the topic of today's episode. Cool, cool, cool. Do you know anything about 1978 Argentina's World Cup?
0: the one Maradona ones?
1: No, Maradona was 17 years old during that time. Mm-hmm. He was actually kicked out of the team for being too young. I don't remember it at all. This was Argentina's first ever World Cup wow, victory, okay, in its home turf. Good on them. Good on them. So let's start the story. Let's hear it. Part one: Perón and crying for Argentina. So the story of how the World Cup came to Argentina is an example of on the instability that gripped not only Argentina, but also Latin America in the 60s and 70s in what could be called Operation Condor. Have you ever heard of Operation Condor? Nope,
0: I haven't. Sorry, so I shook my head. People can't see me.
1: <laughs> so Operation Condor is um, a U.S.-led operation in which they would cause coups in Latin America.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can't feel familiar with that. Sorry.
1: Which is pretty much it's a whole podcast series could be done on that issue alone. hmm And maybe we could dedicate a month in the future uh, to covering some of the more important moments of Operation Condor. But for now, let's just stick to Argentina, okay? And it's less discussed and mostly overlooked brutal dictatorship that lasted from 1976 to 1983. And to talk about the World Cup during that period, we need to talk about how Argentinian politics came to that point. We're not going to go all the way back to the inception of Argentina but we're going to talk about someone named Juan Domingo Perón. The name sounds familiar. You'll see why. And to talk about him, we need to go back to the 1930s. All right. So like most countries during that time, Argentina saw a wave of nationalism sweep over the country. Argentina was Latin America's strongest economy, being one of the 10 richest countries in the world during the 30s. And it was miles ahead economically than, say, Europe was. But once the 1929 depression hit, Argentina was hit hard, right? As usual, during time of economic instability, fascists and conservatives in the army plotted to openly change the regime with the aid from standard oil which is now named exxon mobil so on the 6th of september 1930 a military coup took place led by general jose felix and under this nationalist panorama a what, lot of was
0: the word you're trying to say <laughs>
1: None of it, i'm not gonna say it <laughs> military what is it Militarism. I'll tell you later. I'll no, show it no, to you Try, later. try. Hmm. No, I'm spelling. I don't even know if I'm going to keep that in. Anyway, under this nationalist panorama, a lot of officers from the army would go to Germany, right? and Italy to learn their ways, if you will. Okay. So one of those soldiers who would go to Germany and Italy to learn their ways was Juan Domingo Peron, who was in Italy studying under Mussolini on how to organize his government, right? Thus, leading to what was dubbed as the infamous decade, a 13 year period of military and fraudulent elections.
0: So, Perón, yeah. in the 70s, he
1: was an officer under the Mussolini materi- reign. No, under the military regime of Juan Ar- Jose Felix. Of Argentina. Yeah, and they used to send them to Germany and Italy to learn how to structure the And then he started
0: org- learning about um, Mussolini from the past.
1: This was around Mussolini's time. Ah, uh,
0: this was before the 70s, so we're in the flashback. Yeah, we're in the 1930s. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. Okay,
1: so now we get to a big event that happened in the 40s, World War II. So at the outbreak of World War II, Argentina declared a stance of neutrality and remained neutral throughout the war to carry out economic trade with both sides, with Nazi Germany, fascist Italy, and the Allies. So on June 4th, 1943, a group of young officers would hold a coup to restore the electoral system. That was fraudulent, right? This is where Perón steps in. During that time, he was running the labor department and start building more influence among labor unions, uh, something he learned from Mussolini. Uh, he would later become the minister of war and then eventually get move up the rank to vice president. During his tenure, he would give autonomy to universities, he would reconstruct political parties, and he would declare his support to the allied powers, okay. choosing a side at war. And this was not liked by other military officers, and in doing so, they arrested him on October 9th. Even though he was vice president? Even though he was vice president. Why? Was he like going Uh, against the tide? Exactly. They thought he was getting too much power, you know? So they started they trumped him with a charge and they arrested him. Okay, and then this is where he kind of did something that's kind of uh, low-key smart. So when he got arrested on October 9th, he was asked if he could say goodbye through the radio to the people. For some reason, they granted them the request and he would go on the radio and he would thank the working class for their support. And hope that the reforms he made for them would continue, in spite of him being, in, despite him being in prison, and that he wished the best for the Argentinian people. The next day, the unions mobilized and went to the streets, and they protested for Peron to be reinstated. Reinstated. Okay. Uh, Peron agreed to appease the crowd, and he told the military government, he's like, I would come out of prison, and I'm and I'm willing to subdue the crowd if you let me run for next elections. Smart. And he would win the elections in nineteen forty six under three three pillars. So was the idea that he did that radio thing
0: to gain popularity? Yeah, as a way similar to, to what's his name? Uh Ivan.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know how Ivan would abdicate just for the people to call him back? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. It's
0: it's all like the Reichstag. Yeah. It's yeah. all like yeah.
1: Yeah. So he would win the elections under three pillars, right? Political sovereignty economic independence, and social justice. And he said that these three pillars would transform Argentina. Okay, He would nationalize a lot of companies, especially related to transportation, energy, and communications. Banking was controlled under the government.
0: It was almost like, because they're all corrupt, I need to fix
1: exactly. it Exactly. So there was a bit of a socialist aspect to this, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. He was popular and his appeal was even pushed further thanks to his wife, and this is where you most likely know the name, Eva de Perón, or known as Evita Perón. Perón. Don't cry for me, Argentina. Don't cry for me, Argentina.
0: The truth is, I never left you. All through my wild days, my mad existence.
1: Great movie. (laughs) Is it? I don't know. We need to rewatch it. Wasn't Antonio Banderas in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was he (laughs) Perón? I have no (laughs) idea. and uh, yeah let's find out how the reviews were as you're talking and things looked good during that time right evita was po- very popular with the people uh she even made him a lot more popular through her you know what i mean she was in charge of reforms, social reforms in the country
0: and she was almost like a very big figure in art like in pop culture exactly the fact that they
1: made a movie on her i mean i think if you even like ask mom and dad about evita they would know who she is you know what i mean yeah true and things looked good, right? As we were saying. So, what happened during his presidency? Ah, uh, no, Antonio Banderas was Che.
0: Oh, what a circus! Oh, what a show! Argentina has gone to town.
1: Yeah, yeah, there was so, so, yeah. okay, not to jump too much, but Perón would become friends with Che Guevara at yeah, some yeah, point. Yeah,
0: yeah. Written by Oliver Stone, huh?
1: Should we rewatch it? Directed I, by Alan Parker. I know it didn't get Alan Parker is uh from Angel Heart, I think.
0: Midnight Express, uh, Bugsy Malone, Angel Heart, Mississippi Burning.
1: Oh, an Angel Heart. Yeah. No, you didn't say that. <laughs> I did say Angel Heart. No, no, no. Yo, we'll replay this again and you could hear me say <laughs> Angel Heart.
0: <laughs> I'm messing with you.
1: Okay. Um, so back to the plot. So one last thing
0: so we can get to, so everyone's curious, 64%.
1: <laughs> so, so, should, so is it worth the rewatch
0: I don't know we'll have to see about it
1: I mean you want to hear Madonna saying, Don't Cry For Me Argentina like I remember
0: seeing the movie when it first like when it first came out we saw it in the 90s
1: yeah yeah with movie like, channel like
0: 97 or 98 and the movie came out in mm-hmm. 96
1: yeah that's that fits the timeline. No, and we haven't seen it since no hey but we still think about it and we know the song Don't Cry For Me Argentina the truth is <laughs> um, anyway so wages went up during his presidency. Access to health care. Sorry, one last thing. Was Evita more popular than Peron eventually?
0: Or is it just because of the movie? The movie came out in the 90s. Yeah, but is that why she's still like... No,
1: no she, she was very popular. Like as first lady goes, you could think of her as a Jackie Kennedy. Okay. You know what I mean? Gotcha. During his reign, wages would go up. Access to healthcare was universal. He chose something called, or he did something called choosing the third way. That during the Cold War, he would be the third Not Russia, not America, or in between. But the third, where he could trade with both. Okay. So the Soviet Union were cool with that, and they made a trade agreement with Argentina that the Soviet Union would take grain from Argentina in response that they would get Soviet products. The United States, on the other hand, placed an embargo to quell Argentinian sovereignty. Uh, But all these reforms required a lot of money, and thus, like most politicians would do, Perón did the mistake of printing more money. And of course, if you know basic economics, printing more money leads to inflation. For sure. Perón, in a way, to quell all these issues, he would try to reform the constitution, but the country was still struggling. And in 1955, a coup against him was launched. No, no, just because the economy got like destroyed because high inflation and American embargo kind of ruined. But what led to the inflation?
0: By, Everything was going well. How did it all of a sudden just? By take wages
1: Kitarians? going up, that means people had more money to spend. More money to spend means prices jacked up. Nationalizing, uh, hospitals, universities, da that costs money. Of course, that either means one or two things. You're going to either tax or you're going to print more money too. So you printed rather than taxing. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, just interesting to
0: know how it could go so bad just because like you know it's, it's always like so the viewers can know i think argentina
1: i think argentina wasn't economically strong enough to nationalize like at the extent like of he should have
0: he should have done the reforms then nationalize <laughs> exactly or nationalize but not expect economic return mm-hmm. or, or like at least step by step because he seemed like he was doing good for us to so all of a sudden be like inflation had you know i think it's fair just so we could like just understand how that happened a bit.
1: Yeah, yeah, for
0: sure. Got you.
1: Like honestly, I ne- I haven't really read into Argentina economics. Maybe I should. Like the economy of Argentina. Uh, so a little side note about Perón because not no one's really that good. Perón was instrumental in bringing about two thousand Nazis and co to Argentina. Hence why Argentina became a famous Nazi save, them, yeah, yeah, helping to facilitate the move for those uh, whose crimes were especially heinous. <laughs> I mean, he did study on the Mussolini, right? So, he kind of still has a bit of that... Soft spot for fascism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of so, German businessmen would go bring their money from Germany that they were able to escape to Argentina to start businesses in Argentina.
0: All right, I'm going to have to ask you this. Mm-hmm. There's always the idea that fascism was socialism because Nazis called themselves the National, National
1: Socialist. Socialist Democratic but, Party. But
0: Perón was the third was way. clearly fascist in his views mm-hmm. but socialist in his
1: policy it, where would you put point him in the
0: political spectrum
1: i'll put him up okay look so peron's interesting because he created this movement so there's this movement in argentina called peronism okay which is a whole political ideology under him which is kind of a populist ideology where he is the ideology You know what I mean? So it's not like socialism, not capitalism. It's on him. Uh, Latin Americans have a lot of populist leaders. Yeah. But to talk about uh, like where would I put him on a scale? I would say some, yeah, I'd say he could be. I'm just saying that
0: fascist, but like, I'm just saying, I think for listeners sake, and this could be a debate for if we ever decide to talk about it. I do think there's a general concept that if you're capitalist, you're not fascist. And if you're socialist, you're not fascist. I don't think they're in- in- inclusive or exclusive to each other. I think fascism is uh, like, so the way- I, like, I think socialism or capitalism is an economic policy more so. And fascism- And fascism is in uh, political policy.
1: I do think there's an economic fascism, and this is where I was getting to, that where products are nationalized or resources are nationalized, but the demand is determined by the state. Unlike where in socialism, where the demand is determined by the working class. Fair, fair. i'm just trying to say that
0: i don't think when people think he was a fascist and socialist that means socialism and i think they're not they're not like uh exclusive to one another no no
1: uh, yeah so you could i guess you could have both ends right like yeah, you could have a fascist capitalist and you could have a fascist socialist like a stalin and uh hitler yes yeah i could totally see that but again like that's a whole different discussion but it is i'm, I'm pretty sure this is going to be by the way because
0: there's going to be ev- an episode... Everyone's hearing like, sorry, this guy Perón is socialist policies. And then here we are saying that he was fascist, fascist in mm-hmm. his in tendencies. And people are like, okay, because fascism is socialism. Which can be, but can't be as well. You know yeah. what I mean? It, it's So this is just...
1: So yeah, no, this is an episode for the future. For sure, we're going to have to tackle socialism, capitalism and all that. But yeah, that's for when we... Side note, guys. Yeah, yeah, when you go down the line and it, time feels right to talk about these issues. Anyways, so what were we saying? Perón was inviting... Nazis to invest in all and also he was aided by the Catholic Church to bring Nazis to Latin America through Spain right the Catholic connection as well as there was a financial incentive because these Nazis looted millions and millions and millions
0: and billions 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 and
1: billions uh, so to bring them and their money into Argentina and they're investing in the country yeah, exactly for sure, yeah. and the thing is these Nazis will build their own cities in the heartlands of Argentina right as you'd know there will be like cities in Argentina that's um, blonde blue eyed Argentinians you know yeah for sure for sure yeah. anyways back to the coup so he was displaced right by another military dictatorship which tried to hamper the working class and tried to reverse all of Perón's decisions right which led to more inflation so in 1962 Peronists <laughs> his peron family Peronists assist. Peronists sounds like you said Peronists 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 peron 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 gained control in some provinces of Buenos Aires and this brought the military to a split right so they were split into two two camps or two factions the reds and the blues the Reds being straight-up dictatorship, while the Blues were kind of extremely leftist. This is the problem when you play both sides, right? No, he, he created two you, two Like, they just split into a civil war. Yeah. Uh, More on that extreme left side later. But Perón, on the other hand, was still supporting his underground supporters from Spain. He, he moved to Spain. Oh, yeah, by the way, around that time, Evita died, just to keep that in mind. Damn. Damn. Yeah. Way to underplay an important character. (laughs) She's not important to the story, to this one. So he tried to appeal to the elites of Argentina as well. And the military prevented him from applying to elections from Spain. But regardless, his party would win in the May 1973 elections. His party, not him. Hector Campora uh, was elected as president. But it was clear that he was just trying to make way for the return of the dude himself. So the first thing he did was... um, Um, He tried to bring back Perón. This caused tension between the left-wing and the right-wing side of the coalition. Perón ended up returning in June, which was met with a battle between the right and the left at the airport. The union leadership would launch um, an anti-leftist campaign through a deaf squad organization called the Argentine Anti-Communist Alliance, or AAA. In July, Uh, the president, Hector, would uh, resign and new elections were underway. Now that he got Perón back, he resigned as president. And this will bring us to part two, the military junta. So Perón was elected as president with his third wife, Isabel Perón, as his fi- vice president. Okay,
0: moved on from Evita.
1: Yeah, to Men. Isabel. And it was kind of a step down, but that's more on that later, right? So he took office on October 1973. You know, it's so interesting when you read these things. Like, for example, on October 73. Wasn't this when Israel and Egypt were at war? Yeah. So it's like almost these events are happening. (laughs) What? Yeah. Okay. So it's almost like the world can have multiple stories. Insane, right? (laughs) <laughs> there's no one storyline per time <laughs> yeah. on october 1973 it's not like marvel he movies he continued his attacks on the left which uh, seeped into attacking students and union leaders Peron's economic policies also destroyed argentina argentina even more and he kind of went closer to the right this time around especially the Argentine economy would suffer because of the arab embargo of 1973 the oil embargo Uh, which increased the price of oil toppled Mm -hmm. with an outbreak of a disease called foot and mouth disease. The classic foot and mouth disease. The doctor's like, what should we name it? (laughs) The foot and mouth disease, (laughs) which caused European countries to ban shipments of meat from Argentina. Yes. I remember that, yeah. So you remember that? Yeah, I remember my previous life. I died in my previous life. (laughs) You were an Argentinian in your previous life.
0: From a foot and mouth disease now i remember reading about
1: it perron would die a year later on july 1974 so now that he would die during his presidency the vice president would be acting president right and as we said the vice president was isabel perron his, his wife his widow would inherit the presidency becoming the world's first ever woman president ever ever the world's first ever woman president was isabel perron but and there are other women leaders in history first woman president she, okay leaders queens Whatever, yeah. I'm saying president. Semantics. She was the world's first woman president. Okay? And she moved the government further to the right under the influence of this guy called Lopez Rega, the Minister of Social Welfare. Now consider him like Rasputin uh, with his power over Isabel but without the fucking. But yeah, he's like kind of like Harry So Isabel was then persuaded to dismiss him by the military because he was trying to force the devaluation of the currency. On March 24th, 1976, the military officers would depose Isabel Peron and take over the government completely. Deciding to take the rule back into military hands during this economic downturn and the persistent civil war between the left wing and the triple a and also they tried to add on top of it that she was embezzling money which i don't know could be possible neither deny or confirm anything on these articles well, yeah. but again i mean she's a president i'm pretty sure there's a bit of embezzlement happening right at the end of her speech isabel Perón asked the crowd to leave quietly and waved them goodbye on the sidelines watching listening prepared the army. Knowing that when Isabel is finally dislodged, they will surely inherit a crumbling economy, worsening civil disorder, and the ruins of a political dream, Peronism. And then uh, she boarded the helicopter, which took her to her palace, but on the way, it kind of uh, diverted and ended up being in an air force and she was arrested. And she would remain secluded until her exile to Spain. So the military just Hijack the helicopter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, The junta uh, would appoint Jorge Rafael Vidala, and with the help of the states, uh, he would systemize repression, in particular through disappearances, right? Mm -hmm. Which is something Pinochet would also use effectively in Chile. The the idea was no body, no crime. Okay. Right? Uh, The tactic was taught to him by the infamous by the infamous School of the Americas, which was run by the United States. All this was a part of Operation Condor, and this was all supported by the devil himself, Henry Kissinger. Uh, The biggest villain, I think, if there was ever a villain. Uh, Who would be a big fan of Vidala. He would also praise him. And thus, this would kick off something what we call the Dirty War. I'm pretty sure you're going to ask what's a military junta, right? A military council, the Argentinian military council that presides over the country. Think of them as like, you know, remember in Egypt, the, the military council when they held after the revolution? Yeah. That's the junta. Okay. And they would appoint... Uh, so because they did the coup, they decide who's, who's running Exactly. Next. So they appointed one of their own to be one of the three to be president. So the junta would eventually close down Congress. They would oppose censorship. They banned trade unions. Dirty war that it would launch onto Argentina would claim 10 to 30,000 citizens uh, often being imprisoned and tortured beforehand. Jorge once said uh, a terrorist is not just someone with a gun or a bomb but someone who spreads ideas contrary to Western and Christian civilization. So they were just suppressing anyone with an opinion. Exactly. Students were being kidnapped taken from their homes. They will never be seen again. So the left wing militia would attempt to assassinate Videla three times from 1976 to 1977. Because he was still resisting? Who? Videla. He was a uh, president there. Who tried to? The left wing, the militia. Oh, so I thought you said the military. No, no the left wing militia would try to ass- assassinate him three times. Uh, a famous tactic to murder people. Okay, so I'll tell you now, I guess the trigger warning, I don't know if it's, maybe this whole episode should be a trigger warning, but there's a famous tactic they used to do to murder people in Argentina and it's pretty insane. So what they would do is, for example, they would kidnap you, they would drug you, They'll put you on a plane, like on a military aircraft, take you over uh, on the Atlantic, and they'll just throw you off the plane while you were drugged and still breathing. Damn. So they'll throw you off the plane, and then they'll just turn around and go back to Argentina.
0: Isn't there a football team named River Plate?
1: Yeah, it's based in Buenos Aires. Okay. So So Tying it back. Tying it back. 10,000 to 12,000 people would be detained in detention camps. Some of the women who were detained were pregnant or would become pregnant during their detainment the mothers would eventually be killed and their babies would be given illegally to military families or rich families as an adoption. They would literally have these women give birth in detention camps, take the babies and give them away away to another family. A lot of people in Argentina are trying to reclaim. Their like grandparents would reclaim their lost babies. Um, Of course, this was all cool with the United States government. On June 1976, the Secretary of State Kissinger informed the Argentine government that the U.S. supported the arrests and the disappearance to combat quote-unquote terrorists. Of course. In 4,600 State Department documents showed that Kissinger was on board with what Argentina was doing and that he was well aware of what was happening there. Of course. And another conversation with the foreign minister of Argentina, Kissinger would declare, we want you guys to succeed. And he would tell the military that he was looking forward to seeing their success in Latin America. He also condoned its terrorist police, uh, advising them, if there are things that have to be done, you should do them quickly. Uh, And then turning to sports, Kissinger promised, no matter what happens, I'll be in Argentina in 1978. That is the year the World Cup will take place. Argentina will win.
0: We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. My name is Ronald Reagan. One of the traditional methods of imposing statism or socialism on a people has been by way of medicine. The doctor begins to lose freedoms. It's like telling a lie and one leads to another. A doctor decides he wants to practice in one town and the government has to say to him, you can't live in that town. They already have enough doctors. You have to go someplace else. All of us can see what happens once you establish the precedent that the government can determine a man's working place and his working methods and behind it will come other federal programs that will invade every area of freedom as we have known it in this country until
1: one day we will awake to find that we have socialism part three the world cup so we won't talk about the corrupt new liberal legacy of fifa okay that's for a whole different day but, you know, at FIFA, it's uh, it has its fair shares of controversial moments. It's good
0: it. to see that FIFA is no longer corrupt.
1: <laughs> good on you, FIFA. Good on you.
0: Yeah, it's good to see that. They've learned their lessons. No matter what money you throw at them. <laughs> they, they turn it down. They say no. <laughs> for <laughs> the love of
1: the sport. <laughs> they're, like, they're like on good conscience and in yeah. sportsmanship, yeah. I cannot accept this money. Throw your money away. This is about football. Not that you're oppressing people in... uh... Anyways, FIFA, of course, has its fair share of uh, controversial moments. I mean, for example, we talked about the 1934 World Cup being hosted in Benito Mussolini's Italy. Another controversial moment was Chile's participation in the 1974 World Cup because this was in the backdrop of a military coup led by Augustus Pinochet. And when the Soviets refused to play them, guess who got banned from the World Cup? Russia. The Soviets, not Chile. Israel was allowed to play the World Cup despite many of its human rights violations. Especially during that time. Exactly. France continued to play the World Cup despite its continuous intervention in North Africa and Indochina during the 50s and the 70s. FIFA still let them play. Uh, So when FIFA opted for Argentina as the host of the 1978 World Cup 12 years earlier... On July 1966, it wasn't really new, you know what I mean? Argentina would beat England and Mexico. And Mexico would later withdraw their bid because they were awarded the 1970 World Cup. One week prior to the decision, a democratically elected government in Argentina was overthrown by a military coup by a guy named General Juan Carlos. This is in 1966? Okay, so democracy would come back in 1973, right? Uh, That's when Perón came back. Okay, so it was consistent. yeah. Yeah, so... When Perón came back, the World Cup logo was created then. And the World Cup logo, the Argentinian World Cup logo, is based on his signature gesture with his hands raised up. Two hands up with the ball in the middle. Yeah. So that was based on Juan Perón's hand gesture, right? So when the military took over, they wanted to get rid of the symbol, right? Because it's based on Perón. Mm-hmm. But the problem is FIFA had already made so much merchandise behind it. They would sue Argentina if Argentina changed the logo. So, with the backdrop of a campaign of atrocities that was happening by the government, as well as a lot of human rights violations happening in Argentina, how much do you think Argentina would spend on this World Cup? 11 billion. 700 million dollars in nineteen. But this is nineteen seventies. Yeah, no, no. So, adjust to inflation today. You're talking about three point two billion dollars. Still not the most expensive. Which is crazy, man. Like to jump from what was it, fifteen billion? What Russia, fifteen billion to two hundred twenty? Is that what it was? But it was more. What was more?
0: Talk about it later.
1: Okay. In July, in early 1936, a general named Omar Actis he was assigned to be Argentina's World Cup autarkic What's an autarkic? as Someone who's in charge of the like the autarkic the autarkic of the World Cup. <laughs> someone who's in charge of like the World Cup, the handling of the World Cup, and the way it's presented to the okay, okay. from That's Argentina's like perspective. The ministry of- yeah. And he raised concerns over the public spending of uh, Argentina during the World Cup. He said that we we're spending too much money. Okay. And on August nineteenth, nineteen seventy-six, en route to a press conference where he was about to talk about this issue, he got assassinated. Damn. Uh, his successor, a person with a close ties to the Junta, had no problem with opening up the treasury even more. They would continue to bulldoze shanty towns to make way for new roads, stadium, hotels.
0: Like the Brazil stuff. Uh, yeah,
1: displacing hundreds and thousands of people. The Junta's most important investment was a secret agreement with the US advertising company, Burson. March seller the American company would offer an extensive program conducted in accordance with Argentine and Mexican public relations firms to influence international opinions in favor of Argentina. It's kind of like they got this advertise They got this American firm to give it a facelift, right? Yeah, yeah. To sell it to the world. Yeah. Meanwhile, FIFA was being met with a lot of boycott campaigns. Uh, Sweden and France would try to locate those disappeared during Argentina's uh, dirty war. Amnesty led the protest under the slogan Yes to soccer. Yes. Yes to, so- yes to soccer. Yes to soccer no to the torture in the end as always no one really boycotted the World Cup only one player didn't show up and that was Paul Bretner from West Germany Mm -hmm. Uh, he refused to go play so was a
0: German player or a German because you know Philipp Lahm refused to show up to this one really? as a like as an ambassador really? like I'm gonna watch it at home
1: interesting No, he said I'm not even gonna watch it Mm. Mm. okay but uh, every other team or every team that went to Argentina Almost went with a sense of apathy, right? The 1978 World Cup was held. When it came time to it, kind of like with Russia, everyone had a problem with Russia, but when the World Cup came... Once it happens, that's it. It happened. People forget. Uh, By the way, this World Cup was uh, different. uh, Just to keep that in mind for later, it wasn't 32 teams. It was only 16. Okay. Okay? So in the months leading up to the World Cup, the Argentine military police, many of them not even 20 years old would roam around the streets. They would stop people at random, demanding identity documents and most likely bribes. Checkpoints would be littered around uh, the country. Improvised neighborhoods located near the stadiums were forcibly cleared away. Any shanty downs next to airports were also destroyed to keep them away from foreign eyes, if you will. Brazilian FIFA president at the time arrived arrived at Argentina and he said that Argentina was the best face of football in the world. Side note, Argentina would like forbid its players from accepting overseas transfers prior to the World Cup okay now the FIFA president said I am among those that is most dependent on the hard work that your country undertook he was saying this to Argentina I haven't been disappointed yet it fills me with pride First, from knowing that Argentina responded to the challenge. And second, because I'm also South American and we have achieved everything we proposed. On the other side of things, protest was mounting by the mothers of those who were disappeared by the Argentinian government, right? Gathering in mass and demanding to know where their sons and daughters went. They would use the World Cup and the attention that it would bring to voice their concerns. They were called the mothers of the Plaza de Mayo. because there was eyes there, so we might as well. We might as well exploit it. So every Thursday, they would march Casa Rosada, the presidential palace, all the way to the stadiums wearing white headscarves, holding photographs of their children. They would not sing anything. They would not chant anything. They would just walk, holding pictures. Like day by day, these numbers would increase. And then the like the military junta would come out to the media and say, these were Las Locas, the mad women. They were the closest thing the junta had to a pressure group, uh, This also made them a target at the time. In December 1977, on Human Rights Day, a mother took out an advertisement in a newspaper publishing the name of the missing children in the newspaper. That same evening, one of the founding women was kidnapped by half a dozen armed men and taken to the Navy Petty Officer School of Mechanics. This was the concentration camp. Uh, It wasn't until 2005 that they found her remains, from 1977. Yes, make it disappear, yeah? Okay, so a trigger warning. Uh, other methods of torture included they would prod people to intimidate them that was like their welcoming into the prison they would often use the prod as a tool of rape Shit. Uh, whatever gender you were uh, they, would rec- they would play recordings of Hitler's speeches routinely throughout the day through speakers uh, tiny box cells contained existing prisoners many hooded, mostly semi-conscious weakened from tortures all this was happening literally a few blocks away from the stadium where the World Cup was held so you had people cheering or people being tortured simultaneously simultaneously so june 1978 came and the world cup was on its way right general vidala stood and watched as the opening ceremony kicked off and now it was up to argentina to win the trophy and to solidify the military's power so part four the kickoff of the world cup and the infamous game so the format like we said was 16 teams uh, now, this is how the format was. So 16 teams would be split into four groups of four. Uh, the top two teams of every uh, group would move on to the next stage. quarterfinals right away? No, no. This is where it gets a bit weird. So the next stage was two tables of four teams. So Like a redemption? T- right? No, no, no. So what would happen is... The people qualified from the group stage go to another group stage? Yeah, and the group stage would be split into two group stages because now you have eight, eight, teams. eight teams. So four of four right and then go to semifinals uh, not even so the first place of each group would face off with each other in the finals the second place of each group would face off in third and fourth place ah so it was purely group stage and purely group phase group. and then was finals. that the only time they did that yeah. or was that how the format yeah, I was? think that was the only time they did that interesting format right like it makes sense but it's an interesting format so so this world cup would kind of create a few surprises right mm-hmm. so kickoff so argentina's first game was against Hungary and it w- they would tie against them in a, what was considered a very dirty and nasty game. Mm-hmm. Uh, two Hungarian players got sent off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that ma- The manager of Hungary would later come out in a friendly before the World Cup when they played uh, England in a friendly. He would infamously say that everything, even the air, is in favor of Argentina when you go to the World Cup. Argentina would win the game 2-1. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other teams in the table were France and Italy. That was in their group stage. That's a crazy group yeah. stage. Making this the group of death, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of which, um, one of the players for Argentina, uh, his name was Leopoldo. So one of the military officers told him before the World Cup that the group that he was in, he's like, that could turn out to be a group of death as far as you are concerned with Isma. Prior to the game of Argentina, his best friend's brother would disappear from the army. Like they would, The army would kidnap him. So he imagined playing the first game and your best friend's brother was was kidnapped by the government. He would later be found in the river with cement around his ankles. Argentina would then beat France 2-1. France was already coming out of a loss from Italy 2-1. And Leopoldo would score a banger of a volley, if you will. Uh, Years later, there'd be rumors that the French players would say that Argentinian players were shooting up amphetamines before their games. And FIFA had turned a blind eye to it. So during the 1978 World Cup, guards would be playing these matches on their radio. And some of the prisoners would be forced to cheer along and sing along with the guards. So they force the prisoners in the camps to sing to along to the Argentinian thing. For some victims, football was at least a temporary distraction from their plight. For others, the cheers from the nearby stadium, it's like a devastating realization that the world was going on mm-hmm. and they were stuck here. like the, the world's back, yeah. forgotten them, you know. And they knew that with every goal that was scored for Argentina meant the dictatorship was growing even stronger. So the teams that moved on to the next stage was Holland, Italy, Peru, Poland, West Germany, Austria, and Brazil with Argentina. Mm -hmm. So those were the eight teams to move on. The teams from the B side or the second teams would be in one group stage. The teams who came first would be in one group stage. Netherlands would top their group stage. Uh, they They would beat Italy, West Germany, and Austria. Mm-hmm. The other table saw a bit of a struggle. It was Brazil, Argentina, Peru, and Poland. Okay. So Brazil and Argentina had won their first two games. Brazil so it was all down to them too. So that, Brazil that beat Peru. Argentina beat Poland. Okay, and but they played against each other. And they drew in what was considered a very violent but goalless game, so it was nil-nil. Okay. So each for po- each team had three points. Keep in mind so this it was, was all back
0: down to the last game for each of their respective and goal difference. Exactly.
1: This was back in the day where a win was two points, not three. What? Yeah, yeah. The last game was supposed to take place at the same time. Argentina would delay its game to later that evening. So you can see how the result was. Brazil would win the game 3-1 against Poland, right? Which meant that Argentina to win and to top. Had to beat three plus goals. Had to beat uh, Peru four goal margin. Yeah. So the game took place on June 21st, 715. Three hours after the Brazilian match. Peru versus Argentina in what would be considered the most controversial game in FIFA history. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, by the way, Kissinger showed up for this game. Henry Kissinger. Uh, he said he would. Wow. He said he, he predicted would. it. Yeah. So he was there throughout the whole game watching with Vidala. Impressive, man. As if, like, as if America was not really killing any of these Argentinians with its funding, right? Anyways, Peru had lost all its game in the second group stage. So this way, it was out-out, right? It was zero points. So it was really up to Argentina to win. Peru had a good uh, start hitting the post. But then after that, everything fell apart. Argentina would score two goals in the first half, but they still needed two more to advance. Yep. Okay? The second half, in which the Brazilian manager would later call a disgrace, Argentina scored four more goals and it would wow. win 6 0. Peru's goalkeeper Ramon would later come out with an open letter defending his team's performance, but it's been clear as day as what, ha-
0: what happened, you know? Argentina had a great performance and a winning spirit.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Damn. So the American match got even muddied. When it was revealed that Kissinger and General Vidala, before the match, visited the Peruvian locker room. Oh no. And stated how they played so well during this World Cup, but this match was very important to Argentina. Vidala would say, gentlemen, I just wanted to tell you this game tonight is one between brothers in the name of Latin American brotherhood. And I'm here to share my hopes that things turn out well. Latin America is watching you. But Brazil was Latin America. And then apparently Kissinger said something to the Peruvian people and then he just left right Mm -hmm. so now we are left with the finals right okay so by the way a lot of Peruvian players would come out later on and say that the game was rigged and that uh, Vidala came and pretty much everyone knew what he kind of wanted with his saying you know Mm
0: -hmm. I could sense the
1: bark why is he barking
0: he wants Tony to play with him or he wants to take Tony's part
1: So now we're left with the finals, right? On June 25th, 1978, between Argentina and Netherlands, right? Argentina would win 3-1 at extra time, but the game wasn't without this controversy. So first of all, like we said, Argentina lobbied for the referee to be switched. Mm -hmm. They didn't want the Israeli official Abraham Klein to referee because they thought that Holland and Israel had good political links and that it would just make them favor uh, Netherlands in the finals. Mm -hmm. And they opted for the Italian referee instead who had good political links with Argentina. Argentina. And another bizarre moment happened. So to quote from an article, which I'm going to post the link in the notes Mm -hmm. or in the description, the Dutch team bus was taken onto a scenic route uh, through Buenos Aires back streets prior to the game. Okay before being made to wait again on the pitch in front of a hostile crowd after Argentina players arrived five minutes late. Now uh, When they did turn up, Argentina began a passionate protest against Rene van Kerkhoff's forearm plaster cast. So the player, one of the players had a forearm plaster cast, something the Dutch defender had been wearing throughout, throughout the whole World Cup without any objection. So the Italian referee Sergio gave in and forced the player to apply an extra bandage on his hand. So he had like extra weight on his hand. Mm-hmm. All in all, um, Argentina with a history of being likable losers but till this point like almost, almost they but were Michigan. never like that World Cup powerhouse no. team uh, they ended up winning the game and they held their first ever World Cup so the horns, the fireworks, the songs could be heard throughout the streets of uh, Argentina outside the Navy Patty Officer School of Mechanics the guards were in celebration mode too around 20 prisoners had watched the game with them less than a handful of whom would survive to tell the tale uh, they had seen. Uh, they had seen on a tiny black and white television the triumphant General Jorge Vidal and his deputies handing over the trophy to the Argentinian captain. Uh-huh. Part five the aftermath the Junta stayed in power for another five years after the World Cup it was estimated that a total like we said 30,000 people were killed in the seven years reign 5,000 were held captive in the Navy petty officer schools of mechanics when the tournament started mm-hmm. football player, the football players and the population would never know the extent of the reign in Terra until years later players of Argentina would come out Ricky Vela would be the most player to vocalize his regret over playing the World Cup saying that he should uh, he shouldn't have never played and that they were used politically as a team the junta also kind of fell apart after the falkland wars with england so after that because they were decimated by the british forces right uh the military leaders just fell apart Um, the military leaders would be put on trial and vidala would be sentenced to life imprisonment but then he would get pardoned in 1990 Uh he would get arrested again in 1998 and he would be put under house arrest in 2012 he would be finally sentenced again for 50 years for his crimes against humanity. He was charged with murder, kidnapping, and military screaming. At least he finally got... Yeah, he died in prison shortly after. Though. Mm-hmm. So the regimes we see with Argentina and say with Mussolini and Hitler, or like Germany and Italy, are different from what we could say with Russia and China today. Like it's, it, the comparisons are not 100% exact. Even exactly. Qatar, to be frank, I mean... It's, n- it's, not a direct co- it's not a direct comparison, but it's important to remember the role of sporting events and World Cup holds in diverting attention. And that's the problem. I think back then it was diverting attention. But with Argentina and Qatar, the only
0: similarities I could see is that it's propping up a way to promote a country. Russia didn't need promotion. Russia was just like political, a power move because it was already a superpower. China was already a power move. With the example of Argentina, it's like, let's show that we're stable and we're cool. Mm Qatar is like, let's just show that we're a progressing, developed nation. So their intentions were... Well, Argentina was a lot more messed up with what they did, kidnapping and all that. Like, there was a lot more background going on. Of course, Qatar has the migrant workers and the other stuff.
1: Both purposes were
0: to be like, we're the future.
1: And it's also to strengthen the control in the region and softening the way it looks to the outside world. Exactly. It was purely like, look, all World Cups
0: and Olympics and all that is just to make your image better. Yeah. No matter what the country is. Yes. But the ulterior motives with like Russia or China are different to... What I feel is Argentina and Qatar.
1: Uh, Watson agrees with you clearly. And this is the legacy of the World Cup, unfortunately. But I will say this. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the chain reaction that if
0: they didn't do this in this World Cup, we wouldn't have seen Argentina's might in football. This was the catalyst to make. I mean, Maradona blew up, blew up. But then you had a World Cup team. You can't take that away from Argentina. It became a football team. You but said they were likable losers. Maradona took them to the next level for sure.
1: Yeah, but the nineteen but the nineteen seventy eight World Cup was also fixed. Uh like there's rumors of it being fixed and
0: For sure. I mean but I'm saying Argentina wouldn't be the team they were probably if it wasn't for that World Cup. True, true. I right? Guess, yeah. He, he, like, uh, as terrible as it is and no matter what the history is, right? Right.
1: I guess that was the beginning. And by the Because way, they spent money on
0: this World Cup, they probably improved the yes. youth stadiums, the pitches. Because don't forget, the big thing about World Cups isn't just the money invested, these stadiums stay behind. These state-of-the-art facilities that they spent money on stays. Mm-hmm. And it breeds better players. So, Maradona had facilities from there, yeah. From there, and that team, those squads, that legendary golden era of Argentina, those facilities remained from the 78 World Cup. And it bred, because you said Maradona was 17 at the time.
1: And dropped from the squad.
0: And dropped from the squad. So imagine Maradona at 17 didn't have those facilities when they left.
1: Because they thought that he was a bit too pesky to play.
0: Exactly, but he still had what was remnants from what they spent on it to improve, to hone his skills. That's true. Even the sorry, Even the club teams... They had better stadiums, better pitches, mm. better things. And then those players all came from that. And so as terrible as it is as well, like...
1: It does bring attention. But the problem, but the bigger problem, of course, is not the team that's hosting. It's that FIFA. For sure. It's not only just turns a bland eye, but actively defends the decisions. This is what annoys
0: me the most about people.
1: Today, I feel Argentinian.
0: No, The worst <laughs> part about this is that we as a culture will be like... 98 France, uh, 2002 South Korea, 2006 Germany, 2010 South Africa. Ah, FIFA's never corrupt.
1: 2014. No, wait. When was Brazil? 2014. Okay, yeah, yeah. No,
0: 2014 is when we start seeing FIFA's corrupt again.
1: Because of Brazil's Chanty Town shit. And how they destroyed favelas mm.
0: and all that stuff, right? Yeah. But like, we forget. And we're like, FIFA, how's FIFA corrupt? And then when the culture thing happens...
1: Or Russia. It started with Russia. Russia.
0: Right? But this one they even tripled down on it and they're like, this is the most corrupt thing I've ever seen. But like, dude, Hitler hosted the Olympics, man. (laughs) Like, guys, you know what I mean? Like...
1: China hosted the Winter Olympics recently. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, yeah. So like, guys, corruption, we haven't changed. And people think with the social media age that we're going to make FIFA change. But I mean, you're talking about 40 plus years ago.
1: And it's still the same. Nothing's changed. Mm -hmm.
0: And it was even worse back then. But the concept of it, it... Still exists. Giving a World Cup to a country... That doesn't have the
1: infrastructure because of a political stunt, and plus, no, knowing that the country you're giving it to has a, like a military despot killing people, and it's clear as day, people are protesting Listen, this country. is like Argentina, yeah, and they turn the blind eye. So when you're trying to bring up migrant workers
0: now, people are turning the blind eye. It's like,
1: yeah, it's like if they didn't do it before, do, why if they, they didn't
0: won't do it for mothers who had their kids kidnapped, do you think they're going to care about migrant workers? So it's yeah, it's pretty messed up. But or they didn't do it when Fafala is being destroyed and people are being homeless displaced. Or they didn't do it in Russia, did Crimea. Yeah. And they still went.
1: And they went to Georgia too.
0: Yeah, like they, they're not stopping. So social media makes Qatar seem like it's the end of the world. Where I think, as terrible as it is, isn't the biggest black spot in FIFA's history. And it won't be. FIFA might have worse. P- FIFA has done worse. Yeah. And it will continue to do so because...
1: Because it's a it's
0: a profit incentive now. And it's a political stunt. I mean, you're FIFA's president. You're sitting with worldly Henry Kissinger. Uh, from like the strongest nation. Probably spoke, opened the phone, called the FIFA president at the time and was like... Let Argentina benefit. How do you say no to the strongest country in the world? Yeah. Right? So yeah, that's uh, kind of the aftermath of how I feel about it. So Guys, we think things changed, Nothing's changed in 100 years. That's true. And yeah, people think because social media we have and everyone's plastering it up. But in the end... Yes, Watson, I know. And in the end, our voice will never be heard. And as much as you think you have methods of communication, nothing's changed. Uh, Unless you mobilize down at the Red Square and you organize a revolution. Look, you'll get stuff that raised awareness like BLM and whatnot and, uh, and all these other movements. But then in the end, they still turn into profit. It all gets mobilized and taken over. And they're like,
1: how do we profit from this? And they kind of ruin the movement capitalism is bad yeah like i agree fifa is like you can't change fifa especially that there's bigger incentives than your opinion because like it said everyone's complaining but when the world cup starts everyone just forgot about, about this was a furious, This furious apathy it's like the, the, just and, the apathy takes over it's like oh i just want to watch the world cup now it's like but you were complaining lily for months you don't know how hard it is for me
0: not to to not watch the world cup <laughs> it's tough because it's you want, so tough i just want to watch it I, like, I love this. football
1: like Merdan said, the ball is pure. Yes. It just, everything around it is corrupted. That's why he never finished. You know what I mean? Yeah. That The ball itself, the, that little rubber, even though it's most likely built by like some factory laborer in like Pakistan or whatever, but yeah. like it's still, the, the, the art of the sport or the sport itself is pure. You want to watch it. It's engaging. But at the same point, like you can't just, i know you're stuck in this like like even if you don't watch it like let's be honest okay you want you want something personal it's a personal victory for you if you don't watch the world cup because you're against it but no one's gonna boycott it what what annoys me the most i think i'm getting really triggered is that we're in a generation that we think everything
0: we're doing is like it's a finality we're finally gonna raise awareness on the fifa corruption we're finally gonna do this we're finally gonna do this because we're posting about it right because everyone's talking about it Mm -hmm. but then four years from now we're gonna go to u.s mexico and canada the world Cup. We're gonna go. We're gonna forget about the corruption. Ten years from now, we'll be like, "Oh, FIFA's corrupt again." Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, Bl- I mean, Blatter, FIFA, literally, like people were fired from this. Like Sepp, yeah. Sepp Blatter was fired because he took bribes. The, and there
1: was the other dude.
0: Sepp Blatter, the FIFA president, was fired because of the bribe he took. Right. There was another guy with him too. The guy
1: from um... yeah. And, and and the World Cup so one up. dude uh, got like he got caught like with mil- like he got so like you literally you literally got uh, fired
0: for corruption but there was no punishment it's like finding someone guilty of doing
1: something and then letting him just let the crime continue it's but it's always been like that with the with the rich man it's like oh you got you got caught doing a crime just peacefully resign and let it go yeah yeah it's always been like that it's So always the, CEOs who get caught fucking over a lot of people end up like saying oh he f- we had to let him go and then they just let, send him away he and, never gets punished and you know like if had you not
0: mentioned this whole podcast i would have in 2028 2026 right 2026 i would have watched the world cup because it's in like a different country and just forgotten that fifa's corrupt like, mm-hmm. and i would have been a hypocrite that would have that's literally what would have happened i would have watched 2026 forgotten about it and then when the next corrupt thing happens i would be like ah oh, shit yeah fifa's corrupt like we forgot about the Brazilian favela stuff. That was really messed up.
1: Until we brought it up here, yeah.
0: Yeah, and then I watched 20, 20, 2018 and it was like, and then you know, yeah. Because I feel like what happened in Brazil is very similar to what's happening in Qatar. The migrant workers' death. He had uh, dips the place displ- displacements, homelessness. Yeah. Neighborhoods destroyed.
1: Cops pick up. Uh, c- cops clearing out people to make uh, for. I think candy. I think
0: it's really just as bad as what's happening in Qatar, but no one's really banished them. There's a lot of I think racism to do with this too mm-hmm. you know being that it's being an arab nation so it's a bit more the westernized just don't like arabs as well yeah yeah doesn't make it any less bad than what Qatar's doing but yeah so anyways uh, don't be hypocrites people
1: so just to wrap this up so for those who disappeared uh it took 30 years for their for them to get any sort of justice right on june on the 29th of june 2008 so you're talking about uh 30 years after the World Cup, the mothers of the Plaza de Mayo arranged a match in the stadium that the final took place in between the football players and the survivors of the Argentinian Dirty War. And they would play like a charity game against each other. That's powerful. Uh, as some sort of catharsis for the role football played in uh, sport washing or whitewashing of the Argentinian military, right? Mm-hmm. This was called, or this was dubbed the final match for life and human rights. At the final match, the day began outside the naval school where the detention camp was, now a memorial to the victims. In the stadium where the 80,000 had celebrated their country's first ever World Cup, three decades later, a giant flag covered with the names of the 30,000 disappeared was placed where Vidala and his coronies were sat throughout the whole World Cup. Only three players from the original squad showed up to the match. And the stadium was itself was half full. Oh, no one really cared, huh? No. And that's the 1978... World Cup or the world's dirtiest World Cup? Mm. Any thoughts? I guess you said your thoughts. I did my rant? Yeah. Um, yeah, it really got me pissed so for some reason. The reason why I picked this a because it's World Cup, the World Cup is happening, and like you said, it's almost what about close to forty-five years. I think the World Cup, like I've always known, FIFA was corrupt, and like you, I try so hard not to. Like I'm like, you know what? I don't want to watch this World Cup. I don't want to support it. But then again, you get caught in the fever of it, right? For sure. People, it's 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 water cooler talk, right? Like everyone's talking about, it. you want to go see the matches you want to see. it? So mm-hmm. Like say this one I'm a bit more less and invested in because, because none truly, of my teams are. In. And it truly unites people. It does. Like it's the only time our family sits together. I mean, I mean you get like the
0: poor, like, you know, the rich. It's just like everyone's unified on a cause. Like you really see like, you see people in the streets like, yeah, uh, I remember the... seeing I remember seeing a, a migrant worker sitting like, uh, he was like a, a security guy for a, a rich Saudi. And they're both wearing green, standing on the street talking about the game. Mm-hmm. And you won't, you will never get that kind of interaction if it wasn't for the World Cup. So I think in its purest form, these sports were done to celebrate.
1: Check out our episode zero nationalism whenever we, if we ever release it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to highlight the tribalism. <laughs> to, to highlight the tribalism, the tribalism of it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and and the there was crazy. a sense
0: of hu- unit, uh, unity, unity, hu- unity,
1: unity. <laughs> unity, yeah. But
0: uh, yeah, man, but humans corrupt everything, man.
1: That's true. And researching uh, World Cups, so I could pick one. I was going to pick the first World Cup, but then I, I I happened upon an article written, the dirtiest World Cup. And when I clicked on it, I found this, and I'm like, it's insane how nothing has changed since 1978. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it hasn't changed. FIFA still does dubious tactics. And unfortunately, the more I read this, the more it got darker, especially with the 30,000 people who disappeared. Mm-hmm. And... um I don't know, like my heart goes out to them. And I guess I just want to end it with saying that I hope this podcast sheds some light on this issue and that you guys will never be forgotten. So thanks everyone for listening in. Um, You can listen to us on all podcast platforms, except for Stitcher. I'm beginning to think this is personal at this point. They've not returned any of my emails. You could follow us on Instagram at the convo underscore beat t-w-e same handle on twitter uh facebook at a conversation before the world ends but we are mostly engaged on instagram i think this is the perfect platform to be engaged in and yeah you want to say anything watson no watson says good night